Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day at Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you for a wellspring of life that draws us near to you, that satisfies our soul, that nourishes our spirit. We pray in Jesus' name that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that your word would be the bread of life, that your word would be a double-edged sword, that your word would make us wise who are foolish. We pray that your word would divide that which is good from that which is bad, that which is light from that which is darkness, that which is sweet from that which is bitter. We have come to the house of God to hear the word of God from the man of God. And we pray that you would bless this word and add to it, Lord, those things that we need so that our life aligns with the call of God to our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. My concern on a daily basis is leading a church that we would know why God has called us together. We call this the house of worship, and it's because that is the central focus of what we do in the house of God. Our efforts are directed towards God. We've been called out of darkness where we didn't know why we existed. God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light and he gives us this concept that many people do not use and they do not find usefulness for which is worship. And I just want to say at the premise of this that if you don't worship God, you were created to worship, so you end up default worshiping something else. What does that mean? That you have allowed something else to come to the forefront and the center of your attention. That you focus more on things rather than your creator who created you that you might worship him. And if we miss this on this side of eternity, we become deformed in our existence. Everything that is wrong about a man's life becomes healed in the presence of worship towards his God. When we read the definition to worship in the uh, dictionary, it says to show reverence to something. The root word of worship means to ascribe worth. Um, I do that sometimes in, on my desk. If you come over to my desk in my pastoral office, I'll have little stacks of things everywhere. But everything has its time and its place. And according to its worth, it's near me or more distance away. And so as you ascribe worth in your life, you're either closer to the objects you worship or you are farther away. And so to ascribe worth means to give something its value. To ascribe to a thing how important it is for you. And so worship is not what some people say, I want to be on the worship team. Well, good for you. But that's not necessarily The call God has on our lives. It's not to be on the stage. It's to give God worship. Exodus 34, 14. He called them out of Egypt. And he says, you are not 
to worship any other thing. You shall make no image for yourselves of other gods. God is a jealous God. We're reading 34, 14. For you shall worship no other God. He is a jealous God. He wants your attention. More than your focus and attention, he wants that in, as you ascribe the worth of things in your life, you have him at the very forefront and the top of all things. First, the priority in your attention and focus. Listen, people don't know what that means and they override, but we're talking about time. We're talking about how you spend your time with God. He has to be the priority of your time. I remember days ago when uh, I was a young man and I was involved in sports and I love sports and I went out of my way and I said, I'm going to buy season tickets for the Miami Dolphins back in the 80s and the 90s. And the Lord says, no. Why? Because you're using thousands of dollars. I was making very few. Uh, I wasn't making much money back then as a student, as a, a, a college student. And the Lord says, you're not going to you don't have thousands of dollars. And much less are you going to put them in, a, in the direct forefront of your economy above me. Oh, years later, I would make more money, so that wasn't an issue. I wasn't using the mo majority of my money in a direction that was not God. But God says, I'm jealous. I want you to spend time with me. I want to be at the forefront of your schedule. I want to be valued more than any other thing in your life. And that means that God is worthy. God is valuable. And in that regards, he says, I'm a jealous God, and I don't want you to worship no other God. Now, we're not talking about Zeus or Buddha or Muhammad. We're talking about money, about your work, about where you spend your time and your preoccupation. It could be a hobby. It could be a sport. It could be... Uh, a direction of your efforts. One of the things that Billy Graham says that when you look into a man's wallet, you will determine who his God is. Why? Because the majority of his money is going into the direction of what he most values. And if your money is going to the work of God and to the kingdom of God and to the uh, missions on the things of God. I, I remember one year my accountant came up to me. He says, Joaquin, the IRS is not going to believe that you give the majority of your money to the work of God. And I said, that's their problem. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And if you're putting your money into the things of God, my friend, I'm going to have to suggest that that is your God. The direction where you spend most of your money. I know one man, he told his son, why are you giving the church so much money? And then I find out, because he was looking at his son's finances, his son got married, started a family. 
And his son was giving like $1,000 a month to the church. It was a small, he was just starting out his family, and it was, it was a considerable amount he was giving to the church. It was 10%. He was making $10,000, so he was giving $1,000 to the church. And then I found out that his father was giving $3,000 to a marina to dock his boat. Because where you spend your time and your money, that is an altar you have to your God. And it could be pleasure. It could be entertainment. So when you value a man's heart and you put money, um, in, in one case in the Bible, they sold a piece of property and they brought half of the money and says, here is all the money. And it was a curse. They both fell dead instantly. First, the husband, he was dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. And then the wife, and, and for you women out there that are allowing your husband to have other gods, you tell him, listen, I'm not going to be part of your curse. You're not going to send the money God gives us in another direction that is not to God. I'll get an amen. One, one of the, no, 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 no. We don't have to rush it. I know God is tugging on your heart, and this is tough. We're in the house of God. We're doing open heart surgery this morning. Some of you worship in another direction. I, I have friends that say on Sunday, they're going to wake up super early, and they're going to put beer in a cooler, nice and cold with ice, and they're going to spend the entire day on their boat out in the middle of God knows where on the Lord's day. The Lord's day? Yeah. The Lord's day belongs to the Lord. And it's a day we come to worship. It's a day we come to say, Lord, Monday through Saturday, you blessed our socks off through the roof crazy. You kept us safe. You kept us healthy. You kept us motivated, enthusiastic. You have removed the spirit of heaviness and depression. We're kicking our heels and dancing. And on the Lord's day, we're coming to worship. It is there in John chapter 4 that we see these words that Jesus tells the Samaritan woman. He says, the father blesses every inhabitant of the earth. If he's blessed you, you can say hallelujah. 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 Come on. It's not only amen. Say hallelujah. The highest of praise. And he says, he blesses man with the expectation that they will worship him. Um, John 4, 24. No, 23. He says, the hour is coming. It's coming. Can't wait till you put God in first place. Because listen, God doesn't need anything. You do. And your nexus to everything God has is perfecting worship. Because if you bring joy to God's heart, God's going to bring joy to your heart. You're going to see God fight your battles. You're going to see your enemies flee and your sicknesses will be healed. 
It says the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. There will be more just a, a just coming to the house of God. Your spirit will connect to God. You will give God what he is worth in your time, in your talents, in your treasures. For the Father is seeking, it's coming, because he's seeking those who worship him. Now, when he says the Father is seeking those who worship him, it says the Greek word prokuneo. It's an unusual word. It's a strange word. You don't use it in English. It's not common in our conversation. But when the Father is seeking those who prokuneo in Greek means those who are willing to kiss the hand that, that extends towards you. There's a, there's a providence of a divine hand upon your life. He gave you your wife. Thank you, Lord. He gave you your children. Thank you, Lord. He gave you employment. Thank you, Lord. All from the hand of God. And your worship, it's a weird word. It's kissing the hand that blesses you. Not biting the hand. Not despising, neglecting the hand, not, not acknowledging the hand. But, but that hand that you kiss, uh, the, Greeks the Greeks and the, the Jewish people had a hard time understanding this word because the only context for this word that they could ascribe to understand the word is how a dog licks the hand of his master. Lick, 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 lick. He's saying, I appreciate you. I love you. I need you. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Take me out to pee. <laughs> Everything a master does for his dog in this demonstration of appreciation, the dog is trying to say, I love you. I need you. I cannot live without you. And that's the best expression that historians have been able to come up with to understand what Father God is seeking. The hands of legitimate people that legitimately acknowledge the goodness of God upon their lives. And it's almost like reactionary. As goodness is flowing your way, there must be manifest, visible, tangible expression coming this way, ascribing the worth, Amen. the value of the God. And, and I, I know where God found me. And I know what God has done. And it's immense. And it's huge. And I have nowhere else to be and nothing else to do than to show him how appreciated I am of him. In our church, there's a doctor. His name is Dr. Blas Prieto. And his wife was a Christian for many years, for 20 years before he was. And he would always drop her off at church, and he would stay outside. He had no business in the house of God because he ascribed nothing to God's worth. Everything was his ability to be a doctor, to be a good man, a righteous man, a man of integrity. So he would drop off his sinful wife, 
at the door of the church and she used to come in to worship. And he would sit outside for 10 years. I would, I would like, man, that guy's out there listening to Sunday football, Sunday baseball, anything athletic sports on the radio. And he was out there listening to his God, to his passion, to his pleasure. And his wife would come and worship. And after church, he would wait for her. She'd go outside. They'd go home. They lived happily ever after until one day he got cancer. Now, when a doctor gets cancer, he understands that there's no cure for cancer. And he got very worried. And he told his wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said to him like this, the God I worship, he heals. He saves. He delivers. And she said to him, my God can heal you. When do you want to go? He said, right now. I don't want to wait another moment. And so the following Sunday, he comes into the church house and he has an encounter with God. He repents. He receives Jesus Christ as Lord. He comes up to the altar to bow down and worship God. And in an instant, he is healed. The Lord heals this doctor, this fascinating man who has enough wisdom to know that he needs God. And he doesn't stay outside the church anymore. He's not listening to baseball on the radio because now he has a need. And when he comes into the house of God and he acknowledges God and he repents and he worships God, God heals him. And so there's been no greater delight in my life to see that he has become a true worshiper, a true procuneo, the man who kisses the hand who healed him. And he doesn't miss a service. And so that year, many years ago, the Marlins went to the World Series and some people gave him tickets to go see the World Series. And, and I had a delight because I knew his passion for baseball. He says, Pastor, if I wouldn't have become a doctor, I would have become a professional baseball player. My dad says, you want the books or you want the bat? And he went with the books. But he loves baseball. And when they offered him the season tickets to go, not the season tickets, the World Series, to go to the baseball championship, he told the people, no, thank you. I have something more important to do. I have something more important. And they're like, to you, what could be more important? He said, to worship my God. See, nobody had to tell him that. There was no pastor that had to call him, you better go to church, you better go. No, he's a worshiper. He has found a place where all things flow from the Father's hand. And he's going to make sure that he's not standing in front of something else, giving his time, his focus, his attention, and more value than his relationship with God. To this day, that's what he passes down to his children and grandchildren. He doesn't have other things, other gods to pass down, other priorities. He's not taking his children to the baseball stadium. He's not taking them to spend time outside the church. His passion is for his children and grandchildren to grow up in the house of the Lord.
And that has been marvelous to watch all these years. God doesn't want us to put our attention on anything else. Psalm 29.2 says, give God the glory. It's not something that's going to be forced upon you. It's something that has to be a natural flow and progression from your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. They, your children are going to find out who the God of your house is. And when God is not God in your house, guess who is? Satan. The devil will create a climate in your house that you're going to wish that somehow deliverance would come from. But you created hell because there is no true worship in house. There is no God in that house. God is mammon. God is glory. This world. God is everything else but God. But here he says, give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. We used to love to sing a song, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. We will tell what God has done. Mighty battles he has won in the name of Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. See, that becomes God. Nothing else will fight our battles and nothing else will make demons flee. But giving glory to his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Perfect that in your life. Tell God that you don't want anything else in your life to reflect more worth than God. Those things become an idol and they curse your storehouse. They curse your family. They curse your children. If your children don't have the peace of God, are you going to go buy it somewhere? Are you going to use your Bitcoin and your digital currency? And you can tell pastors not too happy when... Men chase after other things. I can't stand when somebody comes up to me and tells me, guess what? And I'm expecting, they're going to say, God is in my life. They say, oh, I made $1,000 in the stock market. Big da, woo, ha, ya. Big deal. What are you going to do? If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, if a man gains the whole universe and cannot bring peace to his descendants, Cannot leave a legacy of worship to his children. Why? Because worship has become third place, fourth place, fifth place, maybe seventh place. Because your attention, hey, Pastor, you don't know how much I work. I know you how much you work. But you know what? How much I do know? How much you don't worship. How much you don't have time to worship because you think your source is coming from another supply. Worship is the is this expression of open heavens over your house. And so here we see this, this, this amazing thing. Uh, Psalm 95, 6, it says, let us come. Let us give to the Lord the glory to his name by coming and worshiping and bowing down and giving him our time. And so there's 168 hours a week. How much time have you separated unto the Lord? How much time are you giving over to God? And so all I say is find out what you're doing at the gym and give the Lord more time. Find out how much you do at yoga and repent 
and stop going to yoga and give that time to worship God. Yoga it comes from the Eastern religions of taking bodily forms and chanting so you get nice and demon-possessed. You don't need that. Come to the house of God. Start a woman's worship meeting in the house of God and lift up holy hands to the heavens and watch God show up in your marriage and in your children. If you're not using your time adequately, the devil will make sure that you're chasing your tail in the desert wilderness. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. I said on Wednesday that I spent the majority of my time for 15 years at this altar on my knees calling out to God. At this, when we're talking about the altar, we're talking about in, in church where the ministry goes out called the altar of God, on my knees, crying out to God. Why are you not there? Why have you not found occasion to say, Pastor, could I have the key to the church? Because I want to start going to the house of God and kneeling down before the presence of God at the altar of God. And I want God to hear my prayer and to heal my land. I want my heart to be fixed. Because right now it's set in a different Priority and focus. I want to be healed in this manner. Giving God the glory due to his name. Worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Let us worship and bow down and kneel before our maker. Acts 17, 24 says, God who made the world. That's sufficient for me. He made the world. Everything you can possibly think of and contrive in the infinite resources of your puny thoughts. God is a little larger than your problems. And he could handle them with no problem. He measured out the oceans in the palm of his hand. The oceans in the palm of his hands. So our big problems become little problems when we worship adequately, efficiently, competently. He who made the world, and just in case you missed it, and everything in it, every molecule, every planet in the universe, created by God. And because he's Lord over all things, in heaven and on earth, does not necessarily dwell in the temples made with hands. Verse 25, like if he... Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. A lot of people say, I'm not going to church because those people are going to take my money. Listen, your best day in your life is if your resources were directed towards the house of God. Not because he needs anything, but because we need everything. God doesn't need anything, but we need everything. He doesn't need anything since he is the one. He is the source. He is the one that brings the bounty of life towards us. He gives us breath and say with me, and all things. I want to suggest if your worship is perfect, all things are coming your direction. We see this in the Bible constantly. And it says, you are worthy, Lamb of God. You 
come and bring things into our lives that we could not even begin to bring. When we worship God, we begin to receive forgiveness, tenderness, righteousness, purity, kindness, and love. What are these things? Things you cannot buy for money. You cannot bring these things into your existence. It's through the worship of God that these things come down. When you begin to worship adequately, you begin to see how God pours forth the provisions of Revelations 5.12. Listen to this. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And now he receives power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. All these, the fountains of God's goodness coming upon those who worship in spirit and in truth. Those who align themselves with God in a right relationship with God receive power, authority. They receive riches and wealth. They receive wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. All these things given to the Lamb, and He gives them to those who worship Him. In fact, as I perfect my worship, I see the excellence of God's goodness coming upon me, and I can sit there and rejoice. Isaiah 25, 1, Lord, you are my God. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to praise your name for in perfect faithfulness. You have done wonderful things in my life. I can see the truth of being aligned with God when I lift him up and praise him. I can see the expressions of God's goodness. Last night, me and my wife were driving home, and we were saying, honey, God has been so good to us. God has been so good to us, we have decided to follow Jesus. We have decided to pursue him as our first pursuit in our time you guys know it. In our talents, you know it. In our treasure laid at his feet. People are always saying, hey, pastor, where did you invest? I invested in the kingdom of God. I invested in the work of God. My, my promise of my reward and my return is a faithful God who I worship. And I give him the worth. So if you say, well, I'm going to make a good deal by being, buying three houses down in the Keys. Or I'm going to make a great deal because I have an investment. Listen. Worship God. If you have more than you need and you have time to put your money somewhere else, I promise you that there is a place that no thief can steal. No stock market could crash. No investment property could be reduced and diminished and foreclosed. And it's just the pursuit of my heart. Listen to me. Only for one thing. Because God has given me all things. I can't act like he's not worthy of all things. And when I give him his worth, I begin to see the glory of God fill my life. 
And watch what it says here. And I, I praise God for the word of God today, a gift of God to me and to you as we come to the house of God and listen to the word of God. Exodus 23, 25. Listen what he told his people. Worship the Lord your God. Why? You shall serve the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and bless your water. And he will take away all disease that's in your house. He will remove all demons in your house. Darkness will flee. When, pastor? Not when you get a good psychiatrist. Not when you're getting mental illness. It's when you worship. It's perfected. So what happens, uh, pastor, when, when my economy is suffering? When, when I'm not being refreshed by water, by provisions? When sickness is toiling away at us? I have an answer for you. Serve the Lord your God. Worship him. Give him the excellence of all things and watch the excellence of all things be returned to you. I don't say this. Don't be upset with me. Oh, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. Yes, I said that. Why? Because it's written right here. I got to say it. Worship the Lord your God. He will bless you. He will give your bread and your water and he will take away sickness. From the midst of thee. That's a glorious day for us to just line up right there. But there's more. 2 Samuel 22, 4. As I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. I'm giving him his worth, his value, his focus, his attention, his priority. And in this manner, 2 Samuel 22, 4. I shall be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. I will give him the worth of his praise. So I shall be saved from my enemies, delivered from my enemies. Some, something is there. Something is a nexus and a connection between our worship and the glory that is poured out in our lives. Whenever you look at something or someone to give them more worth than God and value them, you are shot because the demons in hell know who is God over your house. And if mammon is God, mammon takes you captive to lust. If mammon is a priority in your home, and it was in our home growing up, I remember as a child, I was watching my dad at church. And when they were passing the plate, he was a very wealthy doctor, very blessed financially. And he would throw a dollar in the plate. And I said, well, it must be that you can tip God like a waiter. I didn't know that God requires significance of you bringing tangible evidence of your blessings to the house of God. I didn't know that. And he says, if you do that, I'll open the windows of the heavens and pour out more. Because you've been faithful in the small, I'll give you a lot more. In that regards, we have to go. And I'm sorry, but I want to read this last passage, 1 Chronicles 16. Because therein it shows the progression of worship that the people of God had. It's a lot more than singing. My friends, I love the fact that you sing to God. Oh, I love to worship God. Jesus loves me. 
Oh, Jesus loves me. And that's a worship and you're singing and that's great. But look what it says in 1 Chronicles 16, 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim, that means speak of his good news, of his salvation day in, day out. There's not a person that comes across me during the day that I'm not telling them about the good news. Proclaim the good news. That's worship. It's not only singing, it's telling somebody else about Jesus. It says in verse 24, declare what he has done in every direction. You know, my wife and I got back together. You know, there's peace in my home. You know, there's joy. His wonders amongst the nations. What people are freaking out. They don't know what to do. They're seeing it. Verse 25, it says, for great is the Lord. You, know, you, could, you could go ahead and praise the, the heat and Tom Brady and the Super Bowl. There's nothing greater than God. Amen. He's greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared amongst all gods. Get back thee. Every priority in man's heart. Remove yourself away from the sacredness and faithfulness of our God. He's to be feared. Verse 26. For all the gods of every people are nothing but idols. They don't have provision to help heal, touch, deliver, save. But the Lord made the heavens. The people's gods are midgets. They're not going anywhere. Verse 27. Splendor and majesty. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Things he pours forth over you. Opposite of honor is shame. Opposite of majesty is embarrassment. Strength and gladness, not depression and debility, are in that place, in his place. Verse 28, he says, so give God, ascribe to the Lord all the families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. What he gives those who worship him. And you say, where? Ascribe to them, him, him. Verse 29, ascribe to the Lord glory and honor due to his name. Bring an offering. Bring the evidence of the provisions of the prosperity that show who is your God. This week we showed a man what our church has given the work of God this month. And he's like, why do you guys give so much? Because God has blessed us through the roof. God has blessed us in capacities and manner that I got to show it somehow. And when I show it, it causes people to consider. Well, why would our passions be directed in the, in the direction of God? Well, some people are paying for, for their boats and they're paying for their docks and their marinas and their clubs and, and they go to the fitness center and they, and they pay 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 because that's their God. That's where they spend their time. That's where they get their peace and their pleasure. But we have found an endless source of God's goodness. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble, verse 30, reverently before him. Have him impact your life. 
The world also is firmly established. Those who worship will not be moved. Just like the world he created that's firmly established and shall not be moved. All other ground is sinking sand. Only on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Everything else is coming down. It's just a matter of time. And he wants us to be founded in worship. Verse 31, therefore let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say amongst the nation, God reigns. He is king. And so I think I've done my job this morning as I have turned your heart to the heart of the Father. You know, there's something called the totem pole as they came from the Eastern European countries into the indigenous tribes. They found in these lands that there were poles with carvings that went straight up. There's a big pole and, it, and they had like several things on that pole. And so on the top, they might have had a great chief and then a, the eagle and then they had a mythological god. But that totem pole had the order of the direction of their worship. They were pagan worshipers of idols in the indigenous tribes. I want to know who's at the top of your totem pole, buddy. Who sits there at the top that your children see you pursue? That you spend your time on? That you direct your money to? And that will determine the broad wealth of the dispositions of heaven's bounty over your family's life. In Psalm 92 verse 1 he says, It's good and a delightful thing to worship the Lord and to sing praises to his name. It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. We used to sing this song too. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name. Why? Why is it a good thing? Is it just something that, that makes you feel good? No. Verse 2, to declare his loving kindness every morning. To know that God is in your life in the morning and to know he's there every night. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. When everybody is gone, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Whether you do in verse 3 with a str uh, stringed instrument, with an instrument of ten strings or the lute or a harp or whatever harmonious sound that you bring. Verse 4, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. You're the one that brings me to joy. I will triumph in the works of your hands. You fight my battles. How great is the Lord. Verse 5, your thoughts are very deep concerning man. Verse 6, a foolish man does not know these things, nor does a fool understand the importance of delighting in God's goodness. Verse 7, though the wicked sprout up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will eventually fall into destruction forever. Verse 8, but you, O Lord, are high forever. You are the higher level. You, you, you lift us up to higher ground in our worship of you. Verse 9, for behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies will perish and all who do evil will be scattered. And finally he says like this, verse 12, those who worship will flourish like the palm. 
They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. There's nothing more glorious in our church here at Spring of Life than to see those families who really, 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 really put God at the forefront of their priorities, of their schedule. I could call them at any time, in any place. They don't miss a service. They are attending, not to me, not to the church. They're worshiping God. What's that mean? They're giving them first place on their schedule. They never say, I have something else to do. I couldn't make it because God is their God. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish. They shall be fruitful. These people have, got, have received prosperity through the roof, success beyond their peers, beyond their education, beyond their know-how that we don't even know. Why, why would they flourish? Why? Because their worship is perfected. And lastly, verse 31, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let them say amongst the nations, look what God has done. Let's read verse 14. They will thrive and bear fruit and prosper. They will continue to be fruitful even in their old age. They will grow and they will accomplish the calling of God, verse 15, they will declare that the Lord is upright and faithful. He is the rock and there's nothing unjust about him. Let's stand this morning because I'm done and I believe God was faithful. Throughout history, there were those like Cain who did not worship with excellence and brought depression upon themselves because they were giving God leftovers. They were the sons of Aaron, who came into the temple in Leviticus 10, and they offered some weird, weird stuff. This is the sons of the priests, the Levites. Aaron was Moses' brother, and his children did not worship God with excellence, and they perished. A father who doesn't teach his son how to worship Christ will have a son that will perish. Why? Because his son was never able to see his father devote genuine worship to the lamb. The sons of Eli. In 1 Samuel 2.12 says they were scoundrels and they had no fear of the Lord. This was the high priest. His sons were corrupt and did not worship the Lord. They began to play around in the house of God and... God judged that family, the high priest, and he says, In place of my glory, your house will be the house of Ichabod. It's the Hebrew word, no evidence of God's glory in this house. There's no evidence of the hand of God blessing this family. Why? Because they did not worship God. In 2 Chronicles 26, 16, Josiah the king says, I don't need a pastor. I'll do it myself. And the Bible says that he entered into the house of the Lord and he tried to do what the pastor does. 2 Chronicles 26, 16, Josiah got a rude awakening. When he was strong in his heart and was lifted up in his pride to his destruction, he transgressed against the Lord. A lot of people, when they get strong economically, when they start having success in their business, he entered into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He, began, he, he became his own priest. 
In verse 17, it says that all of a sudden, the priest went in after him with the other 80 priests, and they were trying to stop him. Verse 18, they withstood the king and said to him, it is not for you to burn incense to the Lord, but it's the priest's role who are consecrated to this calling. Get out of the sanctuary, for you are trespassing, and you shall have no honor from the Lord. Not good things are going to happen to you when you're not falling in line with God's design. Verse 19, they tried to get him to move in Uzziah because he was furious and had the incense in his hands. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Before the priest in the house of the Lord, beside the incense of altar. Verse 20, when leprosy broke out, the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and on his forehead, and he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. We're not in this house to do what we think we can because of who we are. But we come humbly with reverence and sacredness to the house of God, to give God that which pleases him, which is everything that we do in our life has to point back to the goodness of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. And we ask your forgiveness for not knowing these things, Lord, for not understanding that you're seeking those who worship you in spirit and in truth, that our devotion in this house is not religion, it's not religious activity, it's not theological it's not religious activity and traditions and ceremonies and rituals, but we want to bring our hearts to be transparent before the God of all creation, to give him the worth and to ascribe the value and the focus of what he truly is to us. He is our everything. Jesus, we worship you as the center of it all. We have no prosperity lest it comes from you. We have no peace unless you are our peace. We're not pursuing other priorities and other devotions. Forgive us for that and draw us back to the house of God to be able to align ourselves with the purpose of God and then to see his glory fill the earth through our lives. We worship you. We glorify you, we magnify you, we honor you, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you on Wednesday night at 7 for the men. Tomorrow night at 8, we'll be here for an hour. 8 to 9, men's group, Monday nights. God bless you.